I see pastors, leaders of ministries and churches. I see worship leaders. And I see intercessors working together powerfully. We've been separated on the wall, as Nehemiah would say, way far too long. Pastors misunderstanding intercessors. Intercessors being rejected by leaders and pastors. Worship leaders out there wondering what they're going to do and fend for themselves. I see God bringing it together. It's a powerhouse. I can't do what an intercessor can do. I certainly can't do what Steve just did. So we all bring what we have. We all bring what we have. And yes, we YWCA. If you're ever going to do anything, you need to not ask what or how or when. Your first question should be why. Why? Why WCA? Because we are better together. We are better together. That's our why. The enemy trembles when we come together in a why of making each other better. When I was listening to Ray, my spirit leaps, knowing the authority that he carries and the mantle that he carries, and knowing that I have the privilege to partner with him in in the city. This is something that we miss so many times because we're doing our own thing. I don't think we mean to. I just think we get distracted and we get involved. I flew out to California last week a week or so ago to do a pastor's training. I'm involved with another ministry called Standing Stone, Shepherding Shepherds. Um, 15 to 1,800 pastors leave the ministry every month because of burnout. And so what we do is we find retired pastors, semi-retired pastors, train them, take them to our course, and they become mentors to help other pastors, help pair them up with young seminary grads. An average seminary grad lasts three years in the ministry because they don't have any fathers. There's no mentors and no fathers. So I was out there. I was on the plane, flying over the reading magazine, as we often do. And it says that we, the average person checks their smartphone, average, 150 times a day. And I, I started thinking about my distracted thoughts. And, and what am I really doing to be effective? had lunch with or coffee with Bill Greenman yesterday and I said, you know, at this stage in my ministry, I'm not really looking to be successful. That's not my goal. I'm looking to leave a significant deposit. I want to make a significant deposit in, in what I have left. And I want to see it happen in this city. I want to see it unite. It's a, it's a tall order, but it's something certainly not out of God's reach. It was 6.30 this morning. I, uh, I went to pray for a church member in St. Thomas. 82-year-old man, fearful. He has uh, two malignant tumors in his colon. And I walked up to the doors of St. Thomas and plastered across the front of their hospital. It says, with God, all things are possible. Yeah. Yeah. I said, this is some good stuff here. Yeah. So, now, how many of them practice it? I don't know, but I sure took it. You know, I said, I'll take that. You know, And so... Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what God is going to be able to do with us here at WCA. Oftentimes, these kind of meetings, I'm just going to be very real with you, and I'm going to be straightforward. Oftentimes, these kind of meetings focus around personalities, gathering people, great speakers. If we could come together with a vision for the city, and it really didn't make any difference who was here, but because of the city and what we can do and what we can provide. Bob Jones, how many of you know who Bob Jones is? I don't have it verbatim, but Bob Jones prophesied quite a few years ago here that Nashville would be um, uh, in exponential in revival 
when the fathers of the city joined together and they made a canopy over the city. A canopy over the city. I believe that now is the time and today is the day. I believe there's a turning of the hearts of the fathers to the children and children to the fathers. I do believe that this is a time for the spirit of Elijah. I think this is an Elijah task that we're on right now. I think the next generation is here. I think fathers are here. I think the stage is being set. I think God is plucking us and placing us and positioning us. I just had the privilege of being in Texarkana, Texas with a a, a minister's meeting. Uh, Dr. Larry Lee was there and Dr. David Shipley. And the whole meeting was on the transition of fathers and sons. David Shibley, if any of you know him, is the uh, founder of Global Advance, a, a huge missions organization uh, all over the world. He's just transitioned that to his son. And they talked about the transition and what takes place. You could feel the exponential power of God when we uh, will step aside and allow the Lord to begin to use us to do what we're called to do. True leadership, true authority is not to control but to serve. I'm not sure you heard me. True authority is to serve. That canopy that Bob Jones prophesied is for protection, not to control. And I believe that God is going to do some great things. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 13? We may do things uh, a little differently. And we may do things the same. But this is a text that I want to launch us with today in Matthew chapter 13, verse 52. Don't have the time to give you the entire context of the uh, parable that Jesus brought before that. But in verse 51, he says, uh, have you understood all of these things? And they said to him, yes, Lord. And then he said to them, therefore, every scribe instructed Concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things old and things new. And I believe that there are weapons, tools, giftings, anointings that are old that we will use. I believe he will use some of us saints who have been around the track a few times. But I believe also that God will be doing new things. A wise scribe, a wise master builder, takes out of his treasure things old and things new. Everybody say, things old and things new. We're we're sometimes so pressed for something new that we forget the faithfulness of God in, in the old. Valuing tradition that holds us up as pillars. So as we go into this next season, we will be doing things old, and we will be doing things new. We'll be asking the Lord, what are you doing? Where are you breathing, Lord? Where is the wind of the Spirit blowing? We must have the the sons of Issachar anointing upon us to know what the time of the Lord is. It's a bold thing when you gather leaders. I want to talk about the city for a moment. I remember many, many years ago, some of you probably knew when Josh, when John, uh, Dawson wrote the book, uh, John Dawson, thank you. Taking Our Cities for God, it was, a, it was a manual for everybody. And then more and more started coming about the city, and then it kind of dropped off, and we didn't hear anything about it for the longest. 
I sure got it. And I understood the message. And I've had the privilege of pastoring in cities that always seem to be capital cities and in states. And there's different principalities. There's different... Um, uh, there's a different battle. There's a different level of leadership that is required in capital cities. And so as I look at Nashville and what it represents, you know, they, they affectionately call Nashville the third coast. Uh, West coast, east coast, but the third coast. Coast being influential. It's a beachhead. There is no other city like Nashville. No other city has some 14 denominational headquarters in one city. No other city has a healthcare industry, a music industry, both secular and Christian. Has the education of the Athens of the South. It's the most unique city. Whatever principality influences this region influences the scribes of the Sunday school curriculum that go around the world through the Southern Methodists, through the Baptists, through the different denominations. Whatever principalities and powers here, there are resident influencing pastors and how they preach, songwriters and what they write. We have a great responsibility here. God loves cities. I moved here 23 years ago from Dallas. Had the privilege of working through the 80s in a lot of large mega churches. So my my model was mega. We we yelled and screamed at the devil during those warfare days of, of the 80s. I don't know if it was anointing or adrenaline, but we we really had a good time. Uh, the, you remember the 80s, don't you? Um, and so I was privileged to be a part of a prayer movement that that really literally impacted the world with regards to that. We, I mean, we put fatigues on and get on television and we lead the nation in prayer with fatigues on, you know. Uh, we were radical. I'm not sure if we were accomplishing anything, but we were radical. Well, I come to Nashville and I, I have a big vision. I, I, I've been exposed to big. You know, so the, one of the church first buildings I got was an old Kmart building, 55,000 square feet. So what? You know? But it was a different region, and it was a different place. And boy, did I meet some different spirits. Put a, uh, every, every city is different. So I came here thinking, okay, this is Little Rock, this is Dallas. Um, of course, Dallas is not the capital, but it was in Anaheim, Sacramento. But every city has its own unique <coughs> its own unique challenges. I would like to present to you today in a few moments, last few moments that I have, that every city has a narrative. A narrative. A narrative is a spoken or written account of connected events. A story or a chronicle. Mm-hmm. If you ever read Stephen Manfield's book that he did many years ago on the history of Nashville, you know it was actually started. Prostitution was the first business in Nashville uh, because the, the river boats coming in, the, the trade that was taking place, and so religion moved in to uh, to try to convert uh, this business. I'm not sure. Anyway, we'll leave that for another time. But every city has a narrative, and there is a precedence in the Word of God. I'm going to ask my volunteers, if you would, to be ready with the uh, seven churches in the book of Revelation, if you could move quickly. Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we're going to hear very long. I want you to listen now to a narrative 
that Jesus gives. He doesn't write to the Baptists. He doesn't write to the Methodists. He doesn't write to a denomination or the Charismatics. Prophetic Pentecost. He writes to a city. Who has the first church here today? Brother Henry, go ahead and and just move right along after that. Um, Go for it. Okay. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, right? The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. The one who walks among the seven golden lampstands says this. I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot endure evil men. And you put to the test those who can themselves who call themselves apostles and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have persevered and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds of you did, you did at first or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. Yet this you do have, you, you, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Thank you, Pastor Cole. Who has the next one? To the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These are the words of him who is first and the last, who died and came to life again. I know your afflictions and your poverty, yet you are rich. I know the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful even to the point of death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt at all by the second death. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Or who has the next one? And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is, and you hold fast in my name and did not deny my faith even in the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you because you have there are those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold to the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. Thank you. All right, who's the next one? To the church in 
Tyrosire, the angel of the church, I write. These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire, and whose feet are like burnished bronze. I know your deeds, your love and faith, your service and perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I will cast her on a bed of suffering, and I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensively unless they repent of their ways. I will strike her children dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds, and I will repay each of you according to your deeds. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. Only hold on to what you have until I come. To him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nation. He will rule them with an iron scepter, and he will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my Father, I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you, Lord. Yes, sons. To the angel of the church in Sardis, write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up! Strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will like them be dressed in white. I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Thank you, Pastor Mark. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut. Because you have little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cast those of the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews, but are not, but lie. I will make them to come and bow down at your feet, and make them know that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word of perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world, to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast to what you have, so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes 
I will make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will go out. He will not go out from it anymore, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. Thank you, Pastor Steve. All right, the last one. Write this to the angel when you see him. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. After all, you say, I'm rich and I've grown wealthy and I don't need a thing. But you don't realize that you are missing. You are miserable, pathetic, poor, blind, and naked. My advice is that you go buy gold from me that has been purified by fire so that you may be rich and white clothing you wear so that your nakedness won't be shamefully exposed and ointment to put on your eyes so that you may see. I correct and I discipline those whom I love. So be earnest and change your hearts and live. Look, I'm standing at the door and knocking. If any hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and be with them and will have dinner with them and they will have dinner with me. As for those who emerge victorious, I will allow them to sit with me on my throne just as I emerged victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. If you can hear, listen to what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Thank you, Debbie. We just heard seven narratives given by Jesus to a city. It's chilling a little bit, except for Philadelphia. <laughs> they get the gold star, you know. What if the Lord spoke uh, and sent it up to my show today? What would that narrative look like? What would those series of events be? What what would be the narrative of Nashville? Could uh, what if, what if Paul said something like he said to the Philippian church in chapter one? To all the saints in Jesus Christ who are in the Nashville region with the bishops and the deacons. Grace to you and peace from our God and our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. What if he wrote to us? What would he say? What would we look like? What would we do? God's word acknowledges cities. And for us just to be buried down on our head in our own work without acknowledging the city. We meet and we call city meetings. I've been a part of so many ministers meetings through the years. I've been a part of the racial reconciliation, the unity meetings, the this meeting. And we just get in a room and pat each other on the back and then we go home and we've never locked arms like Steve has to. Really appreciating and valuing what each other carries. What we bring for the kingdom's sake. And this is, this is the great challenge we have before us. To transcend beyond culture our, uh, our denominational backgrounds, our ethnicity, our economic differences, transcend above all of those and come to a place and say, this is the thing we have in common, not what separates us, yes. not what makes us different from each other, but what really unites us together for the sake of the city. So much can be done for the kingdom of God if nobody cares who gets the credit. And so when we join together with this, but we will pray and we will wail, but I'm not sure we know what we're aiming at. 
So Amy's going to help me right now. We're going to move fast. Thank you, Amy. Amy drove all the way here from Waverly today to be in this meeting. We got one from Cookville today. So we thank the Lord for them. Right, um, Write Satan's narrative as a top uh, heading up there. Satan's narrative. All right, I need your help now. So uh, we read in these letters in the book of Revelation what Satan had done in influencing these. And continued hearing a theme of overcoming and also the theme of let him who has ears to hear. What do you think Satan's narrative is of Nashville right now? One at a time so we can make sure we get it all out. If you just raise your hand so we can make sure we capture it. Just, come on, don't be bashful. What do you think Satan's narrative is? Okay, Rob? Poison the well. Poison the well. These are adjectives. Let me give you a little help here. Uh, just briefly. These are adjectives. So what would the enemy be doing that would look like a narrative here? So, poisoning the well. Okay, somebody else? Murder. Murder. Exactly. It's a narrative. Part of the narrative he's writing connected events about Nashville. Somebody else? Competition. Competition. That's good. Somebody else? Yes. Self-exaltation, especially in entertainment. Ooh. Performance. Performance. Self-exaltation. Performance. What's another adjective narrative? Uh, complacency. Complacency. Yeah, we read that in the lukewarm church. I would that you'd be hot or cold. Yes, Barbie? Life's all about me. <laughs> it's all about me. You know, that's what I loved about our worship because it wasn't about us. It, it's all about Him. And that's the hardest thing. You know, I think in worship that we're more in love with our own voices than we are God sometimes. That's another point. All right. Another, another. Yes, Mark? Religious spirit? Yeah. Religious oh, spirit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Was it another another adjective describing Satan's narrative about Nashville? Poverty, spiritually and physically, poverty. You know the Church of Laodicea. He says, you know, you you think you've got it all together, but you really you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. Somebody else. Rebellion of all kinds. Re that's good, Meredith. Rebellion of all kinds. Sin unto witchcraft. Rebellion. Okay, we're going to leave one other column, Amy, on the side. So just for your writing purposes, we're going to find out what heaven's narrative is in just a moment. All right. Um, I didn't tell you that. You're doing a great job. Thank you very much. Okay. One, we, maybe one more here. One more for Satan's narrative. An adjective describing what would you say Satan's narrative is of Nashville? Yeah. Broken uh, dreams. Broken, broken dreams. Uh, they, they've often said Nashville is a graveyard for pastors. Um, and, and for many people coming, thinking they're going to, to make it here. Right there. I know that you don't want to want to but whether you put Jezebel or whether you just put perverse spirit, something that connects that together has to do yeah. The rebellion, the seduction, the perverse. Uh, exactly, it's all there. Okay, now let's move. Heaven. What is heaven saying? We pray, we worship today, and we said, "Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done." And this is this is the great prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Heaven is speaking something about Nashville right now. Heaven. That's why He says, "Let those who have ears to hear, let them hear." So, what is heaven? 
What would heaven be saying about Nashville right now? A light shining for all nations. A light to all nations. A light shining to all nations. Good. Alright, somebody else. Yes, Mark. Prophetic sound. That's good. This is a narrative of Nashville. What heaven would be saying. What heaven is looking over the an adjective describing heaven heaven's narrative. Somebody else? Yes, Jim. I know that for thirty years I drove from Clarksville to Nashville to get the fire. People ask me all the time, where do you get your fire? I go to Nashville. The fire. The fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, the creative calling. Creative calling. And fire creative calling of all sorts that's one of the reasons that drew me here um, I have three sons and they were very young at that time I love the creative energy and I love the fact that there were trees in that one <laughs> <laughs> <But> Dallas <laughs> Dallas is freeways connected to malls is what Dallas is anyway God bless Dallas but creativity I love the energy of the creativeness the attribute of God I think there's one back here and I'll come to you, Barbie. To become a model of the body of Christ for the world as a city. A model city for the body of Christ. We certainly have got the goods here, don't we? Okay. Uh, wait, but it's Barbie and I'll come to you, Jim. Bonded to Israel. Yeah. Bonded. That's a narrative. It's an adjective describing Nashville. Jim. Learning how to do true worship to Jesus. True worship, John chapter 4. In spirit and in truth. So true worshipers. Yes, ma'am. Bringing down barriers. And not only the church, with all the denominations written uh, regarding the denominations here, but also the color barrier, all types of barriers. As if we transcend these. One more. Yes, ma'am. Humility. Humility. To serve. I just keep hearing it, so I'm just going to say it. True revival and a true awakening. Not the kind we can mark on our calendars, but the kind that comes from heaven's throne. Awakening. Yes. Yes. Revival is bringing us back from the dead. I remember when God sent us here, he said that he was going to begin to breathe on the dry bones in this region. And so I feel like that there's a lot of people sitting in pews everywhere that need to wake up and get out of that comfort zone and get back into position again. All right. Excellent, Samantha. Now, what... What we are about, thank you, Amy. What we are about now is identifying, identifying what heaven's narrative is, and not that this is an exhaustive list, but praying into this, worshiping into this, proclaiming into this, that we align ourselves with heaven and say what God is saying. This is how the kingdom is manifested. This is how his kingdom come, because we say what heaven is saying. In Revelation chapter 5, if you went on down there, he said, come up here and let me show you something. See, he wants to take us up and show us. But we must be more conscious of heaven's narrative than Satan's. Now, if you be really bold today, how many of you have been caught up in Satan's narrative in this city? Have you ever felt like it's caught you up? Oh, yeah. I have. And you know what? If you do not recognize that it is His narrative that you are reading, you will continue to propagate His narrative in this city until somebody does something about it. No, that, 
That's not the narrative of Nashville. That's not the way we do it. And a little brief snippet of history and a confession from me. As I mentioned, I moved here 23 years ago. There was Bethel Chapel and Davidson County on Old Hickory was the closest spirit-filled church in all of South Nashville. There was nothing beyond Bethel Chapel. Nothing. Uh, a friend of mine is the one that told me about it. And, and I prayed and I came and I drove through and it's too long to go into now. But to pioneer, I mean, there were no charismatic churches. There was no spirit-filled work. Nothing. The pioneering days, the times on the mountain and praying, the religious rejection from pastors rebuking me for not getting their permission to come. The um, uh, criticizing it. They criticized everything from the sign I put on my building that I was... Uh, they nicknamed me Doc Hollywood because uh, my sign was so big and my, my name was so big. To cover a 55,000 foot building, you got to have a big sign, you know. So, the pioneering of that, the arduous task, I don't share this with many people, but I'm in the backyard praying. I'm a prayer warrior. I'm an intercessor. And the neighbors call the police on me for conducting seances. And, and, and these are the early days. You know, and then I have uh, uh, animal sacrifices on the front door of my church the first Sunday. Animal sac- so you stir up the witches and you stir up the religious. And I want to tell you, after a period of time, I bought into this whole negative narrative. And you know what I began to do? I began to complain because I wasn't successful. I wasn't seeing the results. Remember, I came from that big model. And now why is it not working? I would moan and groan and whine. And I would talk about Nashville. This city is full of religion. It's just a, it's a Laodicea. It's a... And the Holy Ghost grabbed me one day and said, it's very difficult to win a city that you're cursing. And at that point, I began to shift. I didn't really think of it in a narrative sense. But I began to call Nashville what I felt like I was sent there to do or sent here to do and began to bless it. This is what happens with us in, in, as pastors and what we, we deal with and as leaders and as intercessors as well. We must line up with God's narrative. And I want to tell you, I, I was angry. I was bitter. Where are they? If I'd have prayed this much in any other city, I wouldn't have a church of a thousand people. We have to stop the negative narrative. And we have to begin to speak life. We have to begin to call it what it is. My children, when they were growing up, I would affirm them and call them what they were. You can do it. And I would say, yes, you can try it again. I would build up their Edify. It's time for us to shift the gear and edify our city, edify one another, bless one another. Ray McCullum invited me to preach in his church 23 years ago. Now, I'm a brand new pastor starting a church. Pastors don't invite brand new pastors in the city to come and preach for them. They don't do that. But he did. Why? Because he wasn't insecure. And he wasn't territorial. And he demonstrated a kingdom mentality. I'm not saying this to blow him up. It's just the fact that he has stood in this way, believing this narrative. Mm-hmm. 
And for me, coming in to be received was huge. This is what God is doing. He's moving us toward the sharing. It's not about our church. I get so consumed with my work, my deal, we've got to look up and see the city. Amen. We've got to see the city. And I know you did it with other churches as well. I remember you you were born again and switching, swapping pulpits with born again and a lot of other things. You, you were a pioneer in this ring. And I thank you for it. We all thank you for it. So here we are, coming in for a landing now. Three tables. In the upright position. Seat back straight up. We have a vision. And I need your help. We want to partner together here in a vision. It'll take tenacity. It'll take us uh, waning off of a personality, performance-oriented meeting mindset. And saying, we're here for the city, just as we sang earlier. God has greater things for the city. God has greater things for the city. We can affect the principalities and the powers of darkness. We can push back. We can see things happen. We can bless the Baptists and the Methodists and the Presbyterian. I'm pastoring a non-charismatic church right now. Started in 1849 by a circuit rider preacher on horseback. I have been stretched from one extreme to the other. The grace that I have to rely on to do that. It's not a negative. I tell you that as an example. Don't look down your noses at somebody that's not talking 90 miles an hour in tongues. Or don't know what you're saying. They are members of the body of Christ and we are better together. What unites us? The blood, the cross. What unites us to make Nashville better? What unites us as a city, men and women coming together. Amen. The city church is not found in a building or in a congregation. We naturally gravitate to the larger congregation or the larger influence. Warfare, the military will tell you every time that it's small squads of men that break through enemy lines that make room for the platoons to come in that always take a territory. Oh, we'd stand up in the pulpit and say, we're going to take this city. How ridiculous to think that we are going to take a city. One church is going to take a city. A local congregation is going to take all of us. It's a common belief. It's a common vision. A strategic plan for uniting the saints. And if we transcend color, I had the first warehouse church in South Nashville. I had the first black worship leader in Nashville. I caught hell for it. I had somebody come and say, and they were of a South American, I can't remember, Indian descent, and they said, are we not dark enough for you? Why do you have to have a black worship leader? These are, that is Satan's narrative. And we're going to tear his lips off. <laughs> that he cannot mouth his narrative anymore. And we will speak life into this. Amen? Yes. It will take us all joining together, transcending these things, so that we can see there's neither Jew nor Greek, no male nor female. There's neither black or white. We are in this together. We are God's beloved children. We are His children and we've got a mission to accomplish here. If we adopt this mentality, 
we become a huge light in this city. We, we become everything that we just described if we'll adopt this. If we'll look at heaven's narrative, if we'll just begin to speak these things, if we'll begin to declare these things, if we'll begin to proclaim these things, we can make a difference. We, just us right here. Are you, are you in on that? Yes. Amen. It's going to be work. It'll be work. It'll be work to lay down your agenda at times to come. Do we love the city? Do we want... We're going to complain about it. Just be focused on our little deal. I know I did as a pastor for years. I got so fed up with everything. But this is now is the time. And today is the day. Now is the time. And today is the day. Say that with me, please. Now is the time. Today is the day. Say it again. Now is the time. Today is the day. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this place right now. I thank you, Lord, that by your Spirit you're giving us ears to hear. You're giving us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to Nashville. Speak to us, O God. Speak to us. Speak to your leaders. Speak to the psalmist in the city. Speak to the intercessors in the city. Raise them up, O God. Raise them up. Bring down the barriers, Lord, that have kept us far from each other, separated on the wall. And we will sound the sound. And we will rally to each other. And we will fight for our brothers and our sisters, our sons and our daughters, our land and our houses. Just as Nehemiah did, we will do, O God. And we will build with one hand and we will battle with the other hand. O God, may you awaken Nashville to her destiny. We call her to her destiny now. Stand to your feet with me, please, and raise your hands. And we call Nashville to her destiny. Lord, would you come? Lord, would you come? Anoint our eyes with eyes salve. Forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for our arrogance. Forgive us for believing Satan's narrative of our city. Oh God, unite us as one. Make us a better people as we join together. Make us a better people. Make us one. Make us one, Lord. Hallelujah. We bless you. Come on, just begin to worship Him for a moment. Begin to talk to the Lord right now. Lift up your prayer to Him now. Come on, lift it up. Come on, lift it up. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Awaken the shepherds, oh God. Awaken the leaders. That they have a city vision. Awaken the psalmists. Awaken the intercessors, oh God.
let it come. We just pray, Lord, invade. Let your spirit invade and permeate this prayer gathering this Sunday. And everything leading up to it, Lord, prepare our hearts. And let heaven come. Yes, Lord. Open doors. 
Give him the voice within this region. Let him be a voice that gathers pastors and leaders and intercessors, worship leaders, together for a common goal, which is to see you lifted high, glorified in Nashville, that we can rewrite the narrative. Rewrite the narrative of, of Nashville. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. If you're new here today, there's a mailing list right here. I'm going to leave this up here for you. Actually, I'll pass it over there. If you would just sign up there so you can be connected. I'm thankful for what God's doing. I'm thankful for Jerry. I'm thankful for Kenny. I'm thankful for anointed worshipers like Steve Garrett that know how to tap into something more than just a song. <laughs> Be excited, people. This is a new season for Nashville. This is a new season, a new day, and we get to be part of what God's doing. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Father. You're so good to us. Lord, we believe something significant has happened today. It's almost like it was the point of a spirit that needed yeah, yeah. to be thrown into our city and saying, wake up. The kingdom of God is at hand. In Jesus' name we bless you. Thank you for coming today. I don't know if there's anyone that has something they need to say prophetically or whatever, but we're going to go ahead and close and we invite you just to fellowship. There's people that you maybe haven't met or talked to. We're celebrating with our dear friends here their big celebration of how many years was it? 37. 37 years. Oh, yeah. And for the church. Yeah, not their wedding, 47. But that House of Blessing did that. So that was awesome this past weekend. So we're thankful for that. Yes. Just a question on, on what we've got up here. Does the teaching that was on the either seven or eight mountains of influence in society, is that, can we pray in it? Yeah. I, I, I kept going around in my spirit and all I think there's a yeah. parallel. Absolutely. Yeah. That's excellent. So you pray some of heaven's narrative right. into those <laughs> He's got a good plan, doesn't he? A good strategy. Brother, come real quickly and just remind us of the feast. Uh, just a couple of minutes and then we are going to close. Todd McDowell is becoming a spokesman for the city <laughs> in many ways. And I'm so grateful for what's on his his life through Papa Don and Caleb Pimpley. But this is so significant, just like in everyone's seat, there is a, you know, material to take with you and be sure and tell people to vote yes. They still don't know which one to go. It's very simple. Save lives. Vote yes. Take those with you and give them out. And Todd, just give us a real quick overview of what we're doing this month. This is the holiest month of the year. It really is. Just real quick, you all probably know that we're in the middle of the Days of Awe. We blew the trumpets last Wednesday night, Thursday, and the Friday was the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Blowing, according to Scripture. God said, set it aside for all generations. You know, there's something that we have. Uh, we're coming up this Friday night is era of Yom Kippur. It's the beginning of Yom Kippur from sundown Friday night to sundown Saturday night. 
the most holy day of the year of the you know biblical calendar and just encourage you to wait on God wait on God you know the shepherd's rod and all that that was on Yom Kippur that Bob Jones would get all that revelation God still wants to meet with us we have full access through the veil so we're not fasting and praying like oh no I hope I'm saved like the Jewish people are all over the earth are kind of the days of awe are scary for them for us it's an awe of intimacy and then so that's Sunday the the you know the call, sacred assembly is so connected to this yeah. of God you're awesome and we standing on your blood but we come we're expecting an encounter yeah. and then you have you know five days later on Thursday night is the beginning of Sukkot which is the feast of tabernacles and it's so I just want to just thirty seconds the feasts have three kind of um, meanings or connections according to the Bible. One is it's connected to the earth. They're all connected to the harvest, to the, the first fruits. You know that you know that Passover is right that the first month of the year and um, when the Jesus was raised again it was the sheep offering. And then Pentecost, Holy Spirit poured out that was the harvest, the first fruits of the harvest. Yeah. This latter feast are all the final harvest time. It's a celebration of agriculture. And I just felt when you're sharing, if God cares about this land, the dirt, this city, the actual earth he cares about. Yeah. So the feasts are connected to the earth. Yeah. Then they're connected to the nation, the, the people of Israel. They came, you know, the, the beginning of their coming out of Egypt was, you know, the Passover. And then the law was given at Pentecost, the, the, the tablets, you know, and then this time was when he actually, the tabernacle was built and his presence came in. That's the Feast of Tabernacles, is you're dwelling with us. Yes. And the trumpet, you know, is the beginning. Let's, this is the beginning of this. And then the high priest went into the tabernacle on Yom Kippur. So it's connected to Israel. It's connected to his, his covenant keeping with his original people. We're grafted into all that. But then it's also connected to the to the end, God's global plan of world redemption. All the feasts, yeah, connected the cross on Passover, salvation going to all peoples, the pouring out upon all flesh, you know, Pentecost, yeah. for the spread of the gospel, and then you know He's coming back at the trumpet blast. Yeah. And then there's the final judgment, Yom Kippur, where the books are open and then you know the dead and the living are all judged. And then he's dwelling with man forever, Sukkot, tabernacling again. So it's the earth, it's the Israel and the church grafted in, and then all world redemption. So it's God's timetable. I submit to you, I believe He's coming in this season. And and you know He said you won't know the day or the hour, but you may know the week. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> or the month. You know, that's that's this season. So we just have something that I so Lord, I just pray. Lord, we bless the earth in this season. It's a season of harvest. It's a season of you dwelling with us. It's a season of you judging the enemy and judging sin. We just say yes, do that. We bless what you're doing with Israel and us yeah. grafted in all the covenant people, God. We bless what you're doing in the nations with the church. And we also bless all flesh and all those that you have planned to bring in in this season. And we just say yes. 
We wake up. We're alert. He said we wouldn't be children of the night, ignorant, but we'd be children of the day. Your coming would not come like a thief in the night for us. So we wake up and we say yes to your timetable. And we just thank you, Jesus. It's about you. It's about you. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Father, God of all power, might, love and grace, thank you for the spirit of awakening that is flowing in Nashville. Thank you for the bond of unity and love that is being strengthened and fortified. Thank you, Father, for an awakening of the consciousness of the body of Christ in a fresh revelation that is an old revelation. The old and the new coming into an awakening and a quickening that you so loved the world that you gave Jesus. And there's a quickening of the spirits of fathers to children and children to fathers to the Father of all fathers, our Father which art in heaven, that the children, the children of God that are called by your name are humbling themselves to pray and seek your face and turn from their wicked ways so that we, you might hear from heaven and forgive our sin and heal our city and our land. Father, we thank you for the call the call upon this city that we love and that you love called Nashville. A city of awakening. A city of a great sound. A sound of heaven and earth in oneness and unity to resound to the four corners of the earth and cause souls to be saved and lives to be changed and people to, to be delivered and set free from every evil work. Every yoke destroyed and every burden removed. A great harvesting of souls for a return of a king and a lord. Father, we thank you for a sensitivity, a quickening of our very being, oh God, that we might fall on our knees solemnly and cry out, Thy kingdom. <clears throat> thy will be done in earth, in Nashville. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And then, like rivers of living water, flow from our hearts to a lost and dying land. Yes, God. Oh, God. This is the moment. Now is the time. For the true worshipers to worship you in spirit and in truth. Now, Father, as we depart from this place, oh, we're so thankful that we never depart from your presence, for you ever abided with us, in us, for us, through us. Oh, God, let your spirit cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. And that all that we say and all that we do be a living witness of our love and our dedication to glorifying and magnifying you. For this is our heart's desire 
in the matchless name of our Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Christ. So be it. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. The Lord be gracious unto you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <laughs>